Welcome to another riveting episode of the Seeking Truth Podcast. Today we have a special guest, my brother-in-law, Jacob Toddy, who I just picked up from the airport uh, last night, and we were talking about his program in Portland, Oregon, and about uh, B Corps in conscious capitalism. So how can capitalism have ethics, and how can companies do better about being good. So uh, without too much uh, further introduction, uh, let's dig into the podcast. I'm going to play you in with a little tune that I wrote called the Corporatocracy Hoedown that is uh, relevant to this discussion. Corporation, no, it has no soul. It don't get sick, no, it don't grow old. It only wants all the gold, and our government has been sold. Somehow the Supreme Court forgot that people are humans, corporations are not. Fight the good fight with all you got, so you can get care should you get a blood clot. Citizens United and Hobby Lobby will fight for their humanity. All against you and me, and our government has been sold. Corporation, no, it has no soul. It don't get sick, no, it don't grow old. It only wants all the gold, and our government has been sold. Unless we amend our constitution, the environment sees pollution. Elections are prostitution, but there's a surefire solution. It's called Amendment 28. It's for we the people to have our say. Not to be drowned out by election dollars. We have a voice, let's let it holler. Yee-hoo! Corporation, no, it has no soul. It don't get sick, no, it don't grow old. It only wants all the gold, and our government has been sold. Welcome to another riveting episode of the Seeking Truth podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest, uh, my brother-in-law, Jacob Taddy. Uh, and uh, we were just having a conversation about can capitalism have ethics and this idea of conscious capitalism? And it's something that he's been studying uh, in Portland. Is that right, Jacob? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, so right now you're, you're going for your MBA. Is it with a concentration on this, or is this something you're studying? Um, yeah, so I'm at Portland State University, and Portland's known for, for being a, a green MBA. Um, and ranking really highly in its social innovation program. So just as the MBA program as a whole, its classes are embedded with sustainability. Um, everything from our, our macroeconomics class talked about sustainability down to supply chain and um, product innovation. And um, So yeah, everything really gets sprinkled with a bit of this social good and how can we use business as a, as a force for good. And what are you interested in this? Yeah, I think my, my background's in the nonprofit sector and um, I've previously been been working in a nonprofit that supported tourism based businesses and there I just really developed a strong passion for the, the the meaning and significance and role of small businesses in our economies. Um, so really an MBA was uh, an opportunity for me to kind of transition from the nonprofit sector to the for profit sector but but still focus on the, the small businesses and, and the you know those integral parts of our economies that, that I care about. And so what do you think about the, the possibility of what are some of the things that are out there to kind of encourage businesses to be 
Starting, starting from the beginning, there, capitalism in general has been structured to kind of like pay reparations for the bad that it does, and a lot of the efforts are trying to to flip that system on its head and saying, you know, like giving a portion of your of your income or. Um, you know, yeah, having a philanthropic arm is not enough for, uh, or is not enough accountability for what capitalism needs to be. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, what kind of revolution? Like, like just having a company that does whatever it takes to bring the best profit to its shareholders, and then after the fact, donating ten percent of their profits to charity isn't because they a, can't break. Yeah, because they're dead. Like, that's not a, a way to use business as a force for good. Um, it's trying to, yeah, mitigate the environmental damage that they've done after the fact. Um, as opposed to, to, to answer your question directly, things like the B Corp movement is um, basically a certification process. What leads is to buildings, and what organic is to coffee, B Corps are to business. Um, and it's a way for businesses to help identify how to ingrain their their values and this business as a force for good throughout all that they do, throughout their supply chain, how they treat their employees, um, what their governance practices are, what their HR policies are, um, and it gives it gives businesses um, not only accountability but a roadmap of like how do we actually start to change for the better? How do we ingrain these values um, of in- environmentalism and caring about our workforce and caring about our local economy throughout throughout all that we do so that every decision we make about a supplier or about a logistic or about a marketing campaign make sure is that we you know include those values um, and that's a way we can really start to change business from this capitalism that then you know has to mitigate its its damages to a capitalism that thinks about how it's how it's operating from uh, from stage one throughout its you know entire phase of the business so what are what are the, the standards that uh, companies need in order to become a B Corp? There are companies that are out there right now incorporated as you know, a C Corp. Mm-hmm. Can they switch to a B Corp? And then how do they go about doing that? Yeah, so any for-profit business can uh, get certified as a B Corp. Um, like an LLC. An LLC can. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have a way for nonprofits to be certified because they just you know have a, have a different way of operating. But um, yeah, any business can become a B Corp. There is essentially a 200-point um, assessment that you log in and you start answering questions about, you know, what does your employee handbook look like? Do you offer equitable parental leave? What uh, is the diversity or uh, uh, diversity ratios in your leadership positions? Um, and is there standards that you need to to hit in order to be classified as B Corp? Yeah, so you might there might be a question that's worth five points, okay. and you might have you know you might have an uh, employee handbook. Great, that's one point. You might have an employee handbook that um, outlines the uh, um, like conflict of interest or. Uh, you know, some other policy, and that'll give you another half point, and you might have a program that um, 
provides loans to employees that have cash flow issues for an emergency, and that might give you two more points. So it's really kind of you can do all of these extra things to start get more points, and it gives you this this roadmap of how to be a company that that better serves your employees and better serves your community. Um, so let's say you get the two hundred points, then what? So you only have to get 80 to get certified. Um, there's 200 points total. No, no company has yet to get all 200. Um, but you you know of you know of lots of B corps for sure. Patagonia is a B corp, beneficial state bank, um, and the the B lab, the organization that is the certifying body, is working on a lot of the some of their goals are to get some of the big fish, Dannon, and um, some of the larger food companies and things to start lead the lead the way. They're they're going about it from from two ends. One the grassroots movement up level and the other kind of the, the big business industry influencer level uh, and trying to hopefully eventually meet in the middle with a whole network of businesses, you know, using business as a force for good. So can any, all states have the courts or is it only in some states? Yeah, good question. Not yet. So um, not all, so any any business in the world can get B Corp certified. Um, one new exciting thing happening, is, as you know about, is the benefit corporation status. So that's... Yeah, I have a public benefit corporation, Shane's plug for my uh, my company, Deep Light Systems. So we, we uh, decided to become a public benefit corporation. Now we don't have very many rigorous rules around that, especially since we uh, incorporated in Delaware. Uh, all we have to do is have uh, a mission in ours is to provide education to academia and uh, business to implement new technology. So we want to see new technology. Uh, so, so we did a number of things this year, just put out our annual uh, report on what we did. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, so, so what, it, what's the difference there between you know, public benefit corporations? And yeah, definitely a little confusing for a lot of people. So benefit corporations is the um, like legal standard. It's technically a type of entity, like your C-Corp can then be, get benefit corp status, or your LLC can get benefit corp status. Um, and that is a designation through local uh, state governments, um, and basically, yes, as you update your articles of incorporation or your um, uh, whatever the other one for an LLC is, um, that says that you or exist for articles of organization. There you go. Um, that you exist for uh, societal benefit. So it's kind of this finding that middle ground where you know we used to just have corporations that exist for the generating profit for their stakeholders, and we have nonprofits that you know get scrutinized if they pay their executive director more than a hundred thousand dollars. And so trying to find that middle ground of how can we have uh, businesses working for good. So benefit corps are in, I believe, thirty states right now. Um, and most states, sounds like Delaware does not, but most states require you to do those things you mentioned, which is include a mission statement, a habit uh, in your articles, um, and then also to be uh, certified by a, a third-party certifying body. There's a few different ones of those that are accepted in the state of Oregon. I'm not sure which ones are accepted in other states, but in the state of Oregon, B Corp is the most popular one. Um, and then there's things like 1% for the planet, um, where you donate 1% to, to an organization that supports the environment. Um, 
uh, yeah, and a few others, but, but B Corp's the one that's really kind of leading the charge and getting the most media. There's thousands of B Corps in the world. There's, I don't know exactly how many, there's 110 right now in Portland. We have the most B Corps per capita, uh, and that grows at about two a month. So it's a cool movement to, to watch, to watch start to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the problem. We kind of jumped into what B Corps are, but, um, you know, from your perspective, what do you what do you see as the problem with uh, the capitalism that B Corps are trying to solve? Yeah, I think just the incentives are all wrong, you know, and we've built businesses in a way that, yeah, serve financial interests and not society's interests, and people are starting to say this this model is obviously wreaking havoc to our planet. Um, it's adding to wealth inequality and income inequality, and it's, it's ultimately leaving more and more people out of the economic system and providing opportunities for upward mobility. We have less upward, upward mobility than any... Uh, generation before us were the first to have uh, lower rates of upward mobility outside of big events like the, the Great Depression. Um, so yeah, so there's just, I think, huge problems in the way that business works right now. Not to even talk about the dissatisfaction that people feel in work. Um, I, well, I'll get the stat wrong, but it was something like half of people feel dissatisfied in their work. Um today in the U.S. And part of what B Corps does is says, hey, how can we make sure that our entire teams and our communities can get behind what our business does and we're fulfilling a, a, you know, an actual need and we're providing um, places that people, you know, workplaces that people can grow and thrive and, um, yeah, all those things. I think one of the things, too, is corporations... Public companies have a fiduciary responsibility to make as maximize profits for their shareholders. That, that's a law. They have to do that. There was a Supreme Court case where Ben and Jerry wanted to go and do some good things, and they got sued by their shareholders that said, "Hey, you're not you're not using the profits appropriately, or you're not using your money appropriately to maximize our profits." And so that's one of the you know the biggest problems that I see with capitalism is that you have these huge corporations that exist only to make as much money as possible. As a result of that, they're making these decisions and they're going up against other corporations that are making decisions. So, you know, it's kind of a, if I, if I don't do this, then my, my competition is going to do it. If you're the CEO of a corporation and you do have, you know, some qualms about some of the decisions you're making as far as polluting the environment or something like that, if you're not competing on that level, you're going to get fired and they're going to replace you with somebody else that will, you know. So I feel like the system itself and this, this Frankenstein of corporations that we've created just needs to change, right? And so, so if we can find ways to... And then you look at, like, the whole system itself. It's like, you know, we have... People that have 401ks, all their money's tied up in these corporations that say we have to, you know, maximize these profits. So everyone's kind of got a stake in it, you know. So, like, there's there's so many uh, levels of, of, of how this affects everyone, right? So how do we kind of untangle some of that? Um, you know, I think part of it, you know, could be through uh, regulation. Um, I think one of the things that we 
tend to not take into account is externalities. So there's this concept of accounting that you have these, uh, these externalities, uh, such as how much money does it cost to clean up the pollution that you put into a river. It doesn't get accounted in the corporation's bottom line. The taxpayers have to figure out, in nonprofit world, they're figuring out how to, how to clean up that stuff. So uh, that I would, I think that some of that responsibility should lie in those corporations that are doing the movie, for example. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, well, and I think the, so another big piece of that is once so many companies are getting huge and public companies that now, yeah, are providing profits to their shareholders have impact on the entire world, you know. Fortune 500 companies have an impact on the entire world. They have an impact on the world economy, on the environment, how, you know, relations between countries work, how they lobby governments, and they, we've reached a point where if something is that huge, they have to be accountable to more than just their owners. They have to be accountable to the general population. And that was why I was super encouraged to see Elizabeth Warren introduce a bill about accountable capitalism that would... Um, um, basically say any public benefit, any company, public company over a billion dollars would have to become a benefit company, which basically would just say then, okay, they exist for not only providing a return to their shareholders, but also for a public benefit. That's cool. Which I think would, you know, at least start at the top on some of these biggest decision makers and start to change the incentives or at least the expectations a little bit. Do you know if there's any uh, companies that support it? Um, yeah, well, BlackRock's the biggest one. Um, so BlackRock, the investment firm, came out with a letter last year, I think. It was in 2018 that basically said we as an investment firm are going to start changing the way we do business and in accordance with kind of some of these values. And they were one of the uh, backers, I believe, of Elizabeth Warren's bill or at least, um, you know, did some uh, media support of it. Um, so there, there are definitely some fringe ones. I think you also have more like namesake ones like Patagonia was was one of the main drivers of the the benefit corporation movement because they said, hey, we are a value-driven company and there's no legal way to ensure that this type of, the way we run our company will exist after we're gone. Like their mission statement is to, you know, solve environmental problems by the sale of clothes. And it's more eloquently written than that, but that's essentially what their mission is. And they said, we can't, there's no way to ensure that after we're gone, Patagonia keeps doing this and we need something. So let's, let's you know, make a benefit corp. So there's definitely some big ones out there that are starting to, you know, attempt to be influencers. Have there been any studies on, on companies that have become B Corps and their employee satisfaction and productivity because of that? Absolutely. I don't know about B Corp specifically, but I, but definitely like value driven, you know, CSR focused companies. Um, 
we call it uh, corporate social responsibility. Um, I'll have to, have to pull up some of my Harvard cases from the from the year, but yeah, we've read so many that look at you know companies that treat their employees better uh, have higher long term stock valuations, um, or companies with higher employer satisfaction have higher long term stock valuations. Like, of course, treating your people well is going to make your company more valuable. And we're seeing that with sustainability efforts too, like companies that prioritize green renewable energies, companies that think about their products from cradle to cradle. So like a lot of clothing companies are really starting to revisit their entire supply chain and how they do business because 60%, um, I'd have to, uh, 60% of all clothing made in the world gets trashed or incinerated in the first year. Like we, the clothing industry is just one of huge excess. H&M has been in the media for a while about that because the business model was to make sure, you know, shelves are stocked and we have, you know, low margins and we just need to produce, produce, produce. And so they've been then forced to either find ways to manage this massive amounts of excess inventory, not only as, you know, like traditional retail declines, but, um, so then there's, there's huge waste in this sector that now they're, they're going back to think about how can we design things cradle to cradle? How can we meaning, uh, the beginning of life of a product all the way through the end of the life of the product. Like how are we going to recycle clothes? How are we going to dispose of and recollect clothes? What type of trade in programs can we have? Um, and so I think that that's a really great example of what, what B Corps can do for companies is start to help them think about that. Um, like what's the, the entire life cycle of our product? What's the, you know, 20 year environmental impact, things like that. Um, you talked a little bit about income inequality, and it's, it's funny. I just read this. Uh, I just started this book last night, uh, "Runaway Inequality," and it was, it was really stark to me that in like the 1970s, it was uh, I think CEOs made like forty-five dollars to every one dollar that a um, you know a, a laborer at a manufacturing plant, for example, made. Uh, today it's 844 to 1. I was just like, what? That's, that's crazy. So the amount of, of inequality that's that's happened, and especially, you know, you talk about these big companies, and they're, they're not really innovating anymore. The, the people that are in the leadership are just all a bunch of buddies, and they just, you know, work the system to stay in leadership and produce reports that they're making money, and they're, they're not necessarily existing to do the good for society, they're existing solely to make these profits, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see how a public benefit corporation would work uh, if you have more than one billion dollars. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I, Russell Brand had some interesting ideas in his book Revolution and one that stuck with me was like, we need a way to be able to like bust up a corporation. We need a way to be able to say like, you know what, Philip Morris, like you no longer provide value to society or Comcast. You are a completely outdated 
unmotivated, <laughs> like don't provide a good service or benefit at all anymore. And the public has something to say about it. I thought a lot about what that would look like. Like, how do we? Have, what are ways we can better hold? corporations accountable aside from just our like you know consumer dollars and voting with our dollars like what are some some bigger ways we can step in and say like these companies don't provide a benefit and they're not operating the way that they should and you know that's obviously a, a naive idea in some ways but um it's definitely one i come back to a lot because there's just so many companies that just like the world would be better if they didn't exist <laughs> yeah well i think it comes down to systemic change um, uh, how our, our system works, right? Uh, we, what if what if we said everything that we do, and this is something that New Zealand does, is everything that we do, we think about what's the impact on impact on this planet, and then you you implement your legal system around that, you know, mm-hmm. and and what would that do if, if you know you weren't allowed uh, to prove there's more incentives for using energy, um, that kind of thing, I think, can really change the world. It's hard to do because all of these people with all the money that are benefiting from the system that it works today are the ones running things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. it's a matter of getting a critical mass, and it doesn't have to be a whole ton of people. I think the Revolutionary War, there's about 10% of the population that wanted it. And that's interesting. That's what it takes. It takes ten percent, you know. And, and I, I'm curious, you know, to see what percent of the population is tuned into this kind of stuff right now. And hmm. How can we grow that? Right. That's and great. I think, and I think that's that's really how how you can see real change. So it's just a matter of how do you. I mean, everyone's so distracted, you know, and. and uh, uh, thinking about this a lot because I've been in the political space and, and the majority of people just are not tuned in at all to what's going on, you know. And, mm-hmm. and if they are, they're, you know, a lot of times just tuned into the clips that you see on TV um, and that's just barely scratching the surface of what's really happening, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's yeah, it's, that's, that's the one thing is how do you get people to tune into the stuff and really think about it pretty critically and have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, conversations like this, uh, Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, there were some audio hiccups in this recording. I had uh, some major issues with the device I was using. I accidentally hit the wrong button on it. So I uh, hope that you got something out of it, even though the sound quality was less than ideal. And uh, thanks for listening all the way through.